Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's that time of year again. All eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron. I know that's the word for football to start (laughs) football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this football season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests. By the way, that's proposition bets, not propellers. I learned that one the hard way. <laughs> um, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL oh. survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL 100. People say you have nothing to lose. You literally have nothing to lose. Absolutely not. NFL 100. Do it. D-O-I in apostrophe. I-T-W-I-T. H-T-A-N-N-Y. And J-E-N-N-Y. Doing it with Danny Jenny. Welcome to the best part of any show, usually. Eli Braden. Eli you know Braden. Bring in the heat. <laughs> I haven't seen him in forever, but yeah, he's great. I remember, I, I think I once was, one time I met you somewhere and Eli was there too. I do remember you being around. I remember like Megan Amram was there and you were, I can't remember where we were. Was it at was the, it like com- at the comic book? Yeah, maybe the improv or the comic book, the back of that comic book store. Oh, meltdown. Oh, maybe yeah. meltdown. Yeah, it could have been. Anyway, look, we're, we're, it's a big spoiler alert because he chimed in. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like oh, Jenny, do you want to do the intro? Because you're the best. <laughs> I w- I'm happy to do this because you've seen this gentleman everywhere. Sarah Silverman program. Love he it. was, that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things ever. I hate it when that show ended. But Suicide Squad, everyone's favorite King Shark, it's Steve Agee. Hi guys! Oh my God! Calm down! Oh, they're going nuts! Not the not the voice of King Shark, though. Sadly, that's uh, that's (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. If that was you or not, did they alter your voice? But that was one hundred percent someone else. That was Sylvester Stallone. Stallone, yeah. And you were in another big one. I just saw. I'm trying to remember because you were. Oh, you were in. Wait, what's the other one where you were live in it? Was it that? The same one. I played two characters. That's okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't remember you as I didn't know you played King Shark. Wait, no, I didn't I just know did, that Stallone did, did the voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just did the motion capture for King Shark and um and then Stallone came in and 
spend yeah, an hour it, doing the voice. <laughs> is it one but, of those things I, where it's, it's like, like every... a lot more work? So, so you got paid more for that, right? Or not because of I, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm guessing he made oodles you, more than I did. <laughs> do you feel like every time you go like on an audition for something, it's always between you and Stallone? I see him at so many auditions. <laughs> it's like there he is in the waiting room, like this motherfucker once again. Jesus. Yep. Unbelievable. You would have made an amazing Rocky. That's not fair. You well, I mean, his, his face was the first one you would see on the wall at Jeff Greenberg's uh, casting agency for um, for Modern Family. Wait, no, I was. Oh, no, I'm I just was, kidding. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> you walk in and Stallone is right there on the wall. I, I legitimately think at one point for something stupid, it was pitched. Sylvester Stallone for something as a cameo, and it, it, it then became. I was like, "That's fine," and then, then it became Billy Crystal, which was that. Eh, that's fine, but um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, and you, you of course uh, uh, were, I mean, I altered the course of history with your appearance on Modern Family. Yeah, I shook up the show. <laughs> uh, that was so much fun. I. I I had auditioned for that show so many times and Jeff was so great to like, keep bringing me back. And, um, you know, you have no, you know, go on, keep going. He he just kept saying, well, don't worry. We'll find some, we'll find something. We'll find something. And they eventually did. did. Yeah. And what was the, what was the character for the people? We were, I was with a couple who were, they, they would collect or show figurines. Is that right, Danny? Yes. That was it. And they, they were Airbnb, yeah, the upstairs <laughs> at uh, <laughs> Eric's uh, house. Yeah, and so the idea was they had these things, and they basically became convinced that there was like a murder going oh. on. Yes, <laughs> the happy I mean, couple. I forgot what your name was, but it was like a happy couple, yeah. and then Jeff, and me. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> like, what's going on up there? Is that, a, is that their son? Is that who is that? <laughs> And uh, it was really it was a very funny episode. Of course, you were. And now, Steve, you also you you write. You wrote on Jimmy Kimmel, didn't you? Yeah, that was my first. It, it was very brief. I I started on that show as a researcher, and I stuck. Around. I mean, my job on Jimmy's show when I first started for a couple of years was just watching TV and <laughs> looking for you know the clips that he shows in his monologue. So it was like really you go in thinking it's a dream job like i'm gonna watch tv for 12 hours today and but it's like you're watching the view and the 700 club and qvc and it's so exhausting and i just stuck around because i wanted to be a writer and jimmy knew it and eventually made me a writer and i think after like three months i i'm I'm positive he was going to fire me because (laughs) just nothing I pitched. We were just on like, I think two different wavelengths. I would just constantly pitch. And it was funny because the pitch meetings at, at Jimmy Kimmel, he would sit at the head, head of this really long table and they would pitch going from Jimmy's right around the table. And I was the new guy. So I was the last person to pitch. And so literally (laughs) You know, a, a story would come up like Brit- something happening to Britney Spears, which everyone would pitch jokes for. And literally, you know, by the end of the writers meeting, they would get to me and he'd just be like, no more jokes about Britney Spears. I was the last one. 
Yeah, that's gonna be the worst. You're just like marking off, like, well, that that was my idea. That was my idea. That was my. I kept (laughs) pitching story on Twitter, and you're like, you, oh, it happened an hour ago. That's how I feel about like Weekend Update or something on SNL. It's like something happens on a Monday. Everyone on Twitter has written every possible joke, and then I'm always impressed if they have something that an angle that no one thought of. Yeah, and it was, uh, I, I would always pitch, <laughs> I would pitch a bit, I pitched it so many times, <laughs> where if there was a big story like that, like Lindsay Lohan getting out of a car, and she's not wearing underwear, and it's just like, everyone's pitching jokes, and and for days, there were yeah. just so many jokes, and he can't use them all, so I kept pitching a bit called Laughtovers, <laughs> where like, we just do a big dump of all the right. jokes for that laugh, topic at the very end. A laugh dump. Is like, and he was just I, like, I, I, no, 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 no. I was like, leftovers, maybe? <laughs> no. You know, Steve, we were talking about like when I saw you last, like before that, where I, where I met and I think Eli was there. I, now that you mentioned it, I do think it was at Jimmy's house. Oh, I that's very possible. Having something, I, maybe we were at something and then we went with Molly and it, it was like over at uh, the House of the Hills. So that was where we- I, That's I, very possible, yeah. Yeah, but uh, um, I think actually, I feel like now that I I was at that, I think you might have been. I think I was too. at that because I feel like there was a story. Now it's all wafting back to me. Well, I know the first time I met you, Jenny, you were with Jenna Elfman at, and I met you at Jimmy and Molly's. Yeah, was it that night? No, there was a different night. There was very few people there. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's when we met. But I remember like that night. And I'm going to ask you to tell the story, but I swear Molly told some story when we were sitting there about you. And uh, it was like the the love sack thing. Steal it. I stole a beanbag from the show. It fell out of the back of my truck on the fucking freeway. <laughs> Almost <laughs> killed a million people. And it's one of these things, dude. It's called, I, I was laughing so hard now. I remember this. It, do you know what? It was called a love sack. Uh-huh. They're it's giant like, beanbags. They yeah. are like, huge the size of a couch and there was a love sack store across the street from the el capitan where we shot jimmy's show and um one day they came over and they're like we would love to donate a bunch of our bean bags to your show for like the green room and and so they had a bunch in the green room and i was like fuck i want one of those for sitting and watching tv for 12 hours and and molly was just like just fucking take one take it upstairs take it and i took it and it was just too big for the office like there was no like it was so big and then uh i was like i i think i'm just gonna take it home (laughs) and i told molly she's like yeah just just take it like they're too big for the green room you know and so i had a, a small ford ranger pickup truck and i drove it into the alley and i fucking like Atlas, I'm just rolling this thing down the hallway and I get it into the back of my truck. And it is literally the size of the bed of my truck. And I mean, they're, they're like heavy comically sh- huge. It's like yeah. ridiculous. They're heavy as shit. And I'm like, there's no way it's going to fall out of the back of my truck. And I'm going to take side streets. So I leave work and I'm driving up Highland. Uh-huh. And you know how at the end of Highland by the Hollywood Bowl, it literally will turn into the freeway. Right. Or Cahuenga just kind of parallel yeah, to the I, left i yeah. was like i'm gonna take coenga to the left as i come up coenga is closed because <laughs> something was happening at the oh the there was a show at the hollywood bowl and yeah. it's like 
and it was about to let out. So they had closed down. <laughs> I couldn't drive. And so I had, I was just diverted onto the freeway and I was like, it's fine. This thing's like 300 pounds. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm cruising down the freeway and I pass Lankershim and I'm right at like the overpass that's like Vineland. Or yeah, that's like, like, that, that, that's yeah. like Cloverleaf right there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And there's like, as you hit the, the overpass, there's just like a little bit of a rise in the road. And I hit it and launched I just look, remember looking in the rearview mirror and seeing it fly out of the back of my truck and then start rolling along the freeway. And luckily we're in the outside slow lane and it kind of rolls half into the lane and half into the shoulder. And I am just like, and there's no way because it's on an overpass, there's no shoulder. Yeah. There's so no way for you to stop. I can't pull over. And so I get off on the next exit which is like Tahunga or something and I like I'm like do I just go home and pretend this did not happen no I would feel too fucking guilty if somebody died so I have to go back to Lankershim and get back on the freeway and because it's happened right where the freeway goes over yeah. uh, Vineland there's nowhere to pull over so I have to park my tr truck and then run out onto the freeway which you know like 40 yards uh -huh. And fucking move this goddamn like 150 pound beanbag, drag it. Cars are fucking honking, and like it's it's like nine o'clock at night. And then I get it back into the truck and get off the free. It never would have happened if I hadn't had to get on the freeway. Wait, what, by the way, what color was it? I just have to. Know it was kind of like a, a baby blue. But it was, it was. So it was like, like the six, worst gender reveal ever. Is what it yeah, it was like, like a yeah. six, a six foot <laughs> beanbag. It's a boy. It's, <laughs> and it's and, a fucking eighteen car pileup on top of it. It would still not be the most damaging gender reveal. <laughs> right. So you're no, 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 not at all. But I remember Molly like tell like she we were laughing and she was telling that story and you were like we were laughing and she was like that you called and and she goes. All I just heard Steve was just going love sack. Just it's the love, like love, the sack. love sack. It's on the freeway. It's on the the love sack. freeway. <laughs> It'd be great if the B-52s were performing that night. <laughs> love sack. <laughs> no, I don't think that is. No, love sack. <laughs> is love, love sack, baby. There it is. Mm -hmm. Wait, so Steve, it, it's also funny to me that you drove a Ford Ranger. That is the smallest of all of the pickup trucks that exist in it's the world. It's pretty small. I mean, this was an older version that had like, it was an extended cab. So I could put the seat all the way back and my legs oh. would fully stretch out. It, it was decent. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too bad. I remember when I was in high school, I went on a date with this guy and he had a Ford Ranger. And I just remember like, I think this is the deal breaker. I can't even pull the fucking chair back. Like this is. Yeah. So when what mean you said you thought Jimmy was going to fire you at any minute after three months, did he or did you leave? No. So we have a, a meeting. I've been working there for like, yeah, like 12 weeks or something like that. Yeah. They have three month contracts. That's typical lately. Yep. So it was 12 weeks and I go in to have a meeting with him and he's just like, something's just <laughs> clicking. And he's like, look. And at that point I had shot, uh, the pilot for the Sarah Silverman program. Wow. And he goes, 
you're gonna do this tv show it's gonna be, get picked up i'm because uh, we had all seen the pilot he's like i'm pretty sure it's gonna get picked up and uh it did but he had hired me as a writer because when i was watching tv i also just started when i would go to the editing bay to upload these clips i would just start making video bits like i would take a call in on qvc and i would revoice the person on the other end <laughs> amazing and jimmy loved that shit and so when he hired me he's like i want he's like you're gonna have so much time i want a lot more of these and i was like okay but what we didn't take into account was i had no once i became a writer i had no time to watch tv it, it was literally your schedule is like you yeah. roll in, you go to the pitch meeting and you're there till lunch and then you eat lunch. And then from lunch, you go back to your office and you get notes on what bits they're going to do. And you have to do punch ups yeah. or you get assigned. You have to write this desk piece or this field bit. And like next thing you know, it's rehearsal. And it's like I, I have no time to watch TV. No, it's weird. It's, it, this happens a lot in entertainment. I notice a lot is like you get promoted out of the thing you've excelled at so well. Yeah. And so then there's a double whammy on you because no one can come into the writing job as good as that thing you had perfected here. And not only that, they miss having that job done yeah. so well. And that I've seen this so many times. I've seen people become showrunners who maybe never should have been showrunners because it's a yeah. totally separate skill. And as a result, we're letting the writing part, which they did so brilliantly, fall aside, you know? So Yeah. And I, and I, I probably could have done that. We would have had to have tailor made a position for me as a writer, but I also really saw the other writers probably growing to hate the fact that I wasn't, wouldn't have had to be, be going to pitch meetings. And of course, like, so now he's a writer and gets paid what we do and he's still just watching TV. You know, I could have yeah. seen that happen. Nobody did that, but I could have seen that happening. Yeah. Luckily, Sarah's show came along because I, I'm pretty sure I would have been demoted back to TV watcher. <laughs> and I have like just a much more bizarre um, yeah. sense of humor, you know, and no, you're, you're a weirdo. And I mean that in the best possible <laughs> way. I mean, totally. But, you know, I'm thankful he even gave me that job. You know, he doesn't have I've never worked for somebody who's like more faithful to his employees and no. takes care of like yeah. he all of his, his writers came with him from like the man show and, yeah. and, -Rock. and from k-rock like yeah. everybody like he hires his family he hired he he, he feels responsible yeah he feels and he feels responsible for all these people and you know whenever we would break for a hiatus you know the night before you know the last night of a show before the hiatus he would have a big party out in like the the back parking lot and and he would be the one manning the barbecue grill and like he's he's a great boss man uh, yeah yeah he's just like he's just been like he's an amazing dude i mean i'm just like very 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 impressed with that guy yeah yeah I'm, i do want to talk about sarah silverman because i i'm very obsessed with that show and was like uh, just <laughs> i uh, love that show so I, I much just, like, you and brian posehn are my favorite character like <laughs> hollywood couple if they're Ever. If you love him. Yeah. <laughs> you were Mitch and Cam before Mitch and Cam. Now, let me, here's a question. Did you ever work with Brian prior to that? No. So I met Sarah. I had been taking classes at the Groundlings and, and I had basically been spending 
every single day of my life for probably about four years at the groundlings. Like once I found the groundlings, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do comedy. And, you know, I grew up in a house where my dad was a doctor and in my whole family and just out to like the uncles and cousins and every, there was nobody involved in entertainment or the arts. So I didn't think it was possible to even do that. And then I started dating a girl who was in classes at the Groundlings and I went to a show and I was like, this is it. I get it. And so I went full bore into the Groundlings and was there for four years. Your guy's friend, Michael McDonald was one of my teachers, Mindy Sterling, um, Melanie Graham, all these amazing people. Yeah. And I was there with like Maya Rudolph and Will Forte and Chris Parnell and just like heavy hitters who, you know, and I would work in the office or I would work taping shows at night just to pay for classes and, and then just go to go to the classes and then go to workshops. So I was at that theater literally every day for like four years. And then after your last, your last class is like a, it's 12 weeks. You, you write a show for six weeks and then you do a show, you write for six weeks and then do a show. And then you write for six weeks and do another show. And so we did this show and after the second show, you know, I get a call the next day from Mindy Sterling, who was my teacher and she was crying and she's like, we have to let you go because they had voted the night before. And I was the last person that she had called and she was just like, I I'm confused, but I'm so sorry. And I was literally was just like, I had to go to therapy because these people were my family now. And it was just like, wait, so I can't go in there and do class. Like literally nothing. And like, I had no backup plan. It's such a gut punch. I can't imagine. I didn't know that that's how it was too. I mean, like, I didn't realize that that is how. And, And you're auditioning. I mean, you're, you're being reviewed to go into the Sunday company, which is like the B league, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like the farm league. And after that, I just kind of bounced around LA doing improv and sketch in really small theaters and like bars around town. And it was just like, fuck, what am I doing? And then uh, I have a friend, Jim Giordano, who was doing a play with uh, David Juskow. I don't know if you guys know oh, David Juskow. How do I know him? What? He's a New York comic. He... <laughs> You might know him as he he made a movie about the cars, like a documentary about the cars that he just made with a handicam, a video cam. Oh. Not a documentary. He made him, he wrote a movie. He played like Rick Ocasek and just oh. had all his comedy friends. Like he made a feature-length movie with just a video camera. I and it's hilarious. Amazing. Um, but he's also like <laughs> really good friends with Sarah Silverman. And so he came here from New York to do, he had written a pilot and then he decided to do it as a play and do it, do a run here, you know, down on theater row. And um, it was like, it was me and Juskow and Bonnie McFarlane was in it oh, at wow. one point. Oh yeah, I love Mark her. Mark Cohen was in it at one point. And Mark had been dating Bonnie and they broke up. So Bonnie left the play. <laughs> And there's a lot of recasting. And like two, two or three days before this play was supposed to start, 
there's a guy you probably know, Danny, uh, Danny Vermont. I do know that name and now, I'm, but I'm spacing. He, he writes that. for, um, God, what does he write for? Bill, he writes for Bill Maher and yeah. has for forever. And he was in the play and then he dropped out at like the 11th hour and they were scrambling. So my friend Jim, who was in it said, oh, you should hire my friend Steve because they needed someone who could also play guitar. And, and so he hired me. And after, you know, opening night, Sarah, Sarah came to opening night and she made it a point to come up to me afterwards and say, oh my God, that was really great. You were awesome. And you want to smoke a joint? And <laughs> so we went outside and smoked a joint and like, from that day on, Sarah and I were like best buds. Like we were inseparable for like years. And um, yeah, so she would write stuff for me and we would, we spent a lot of time. I mean, this was our late twenties, early thirties. We'd spend a lot of time playing golden eye and smoking weed or playing. You don't know Jack and smoking weed. And people would always drift into her apartment like Brian Posehn and Swartzen and, you know, Dave Rath and, that's how I met all these people. And so she like, you know, like Sandler likes to write for her friends and, and that's how that all came about. She, she originally had written a show for herself before the comedy central one. I saw it because I saw her do it at like a, either the comedy central space or the HBO space. It's like Sarah gets a something, right? Jesus like, is magic. What was it? Jesus is magic. Well, Jesus, that was, wasn't that her stand up show? That was a stand up show. Right. So she did a show. We didn't shoot it, but she wrote a show with Larry Dave or Larry Charles. Okay. For HBO. And it was, it never made it past the network table read, but it was like me and Sarah and Paul Rudd and Kevin Corrigan. Wow. And uh, it was really funny. I mean, you know, she wrote it with Larry, who's a genius, and and they didn't pick it up. And then she went and pitched to Comedy Central, and we kind of did a new version. And uh, which, by the way, that's crazy to me that she's did something with Larry Charles, and it doesn't get picked up. No, like, it was it was really good. It, <laughs> it was Charles right after nine eleven too, so there was a lot. You know, the whole pilot episode had to do with like how awkward shit was around New York after. 9-11. Yeah, Larry, Larry Charles, I, I worked with the very first job I ever had. He was a writer on the Arcidia Hall show with me. If you can imagine that. <laughs> oh my God. No. It, it's really funny. We had a, a funny story about him was, you know, because he had a very dark, he was like, he was really a, like almost a father figure to me in a, in, in a way, because I was very young and he, he's about 10 years old than I am. But he, he, um, but he was so funny because he was so dark and he was like, the, you know, he still had that vibe, Larry Charles. Yeah. At one point, Arcidia says, hey, you know, these, cold openings that we're doing on the show. It's just like, try and get my voice a little bit more. And he's like, no, no, I hear you. And then our, the next day, it was like Bo Derek was going to be on the show and we had to submit cold opens. And his was, she got torn apart by wild dogs on the Paramount lot. <laughs> and I think, I think that was the end. But he was like, at the time was like, he, he like pulled me aside because I was like, you know, I was having money in my pocket. I was like 25, I was doing this. And he just put, but he pulled me aside. He said, you know, ride writing is great, but you know, you should branch out. I'm working weekends. Cause I said, you should come to Vegas with us. Now nah, I'm going to work. I am working with a friend of mine. And the thing he was helping out on was Seinfeld. And oh, I was like, fuck, oh. dude. And it was like, holy shit. And that, it was just a big object lesson for me. And uh, um, you're like, yeah. I got an eight ball of Coke. We're going to Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I could be working on these shows with an eight ball of Coke here. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> But you and Brian were so, I want to talk about that 
a little yeah. bit. Because yeah, yeah. like some of the things, like I find myself, like when people ask to show funny videos, like we, we always talk about them and there's yeah. like a handful of 20. But one that just gets me in the tickler is when you di- you discover that the only song on Brian Poussain's iPod is Two Princes by the Spin, the spin Doctors. Doctors. And yeah. he was saying, yeah, I'm going out. I need to listen to my heavy metal. Yeah. And it's like, and <laughs> it's crushed. Your, your whole world falls apart. It's almost like Shelley Duvall finding <laughs> the only thing. hundred um, percent. I'm sure that was also an, in, uh, yeah, a, in, an influence. In Cause it's all just two princes, two princes, two princes. And, like, like front. and it's just like, it's a perfectly constructed B story. Also just, I love when something gets out of hand and the tab story, of course, oh, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is spectacular. And uh, I tried to buy that car. Cause in that episode, we make a car. <laughs> really? I, I convert our car into like a giant ta- can of tab. And we had it for the last two seasons of the show. Uh, and I, <laughs> I remember asking Gary Mann if I could buy that car. Oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, I kind of want to buy that because it. <laughs> and he's like, Well, the truth is, we don't own it. It's a rental, and we just kind of we have to paint it back to its original yeah. color. And I was like, No oh. one can own the tab car. No, it's its own thing. <laughs> no. Did Did you get like you and Brian? I, I always thought it was so funny. I mean, it, the two of you being in a domestic partnership in general was just funny. It's like, yeah, not what you expect. How yeah. many people, because it was so not, you know, like it was the we opposite against, of stereotype. Yeah, yeah, like it, it broke down every stereotype that yeah. anyone could possibly say. Did people come up to you and like, yeah. you know, like really, I, I bet you and Brian are like- Tons, people would come up to us, to me all the time at least. And like, I remember being in Amoeba and, um, a guy comes up to me and he's just kind of like short and like really heavy, just a, a beard, like a neck beard and like greasy long hair and like, you know, like a Slayer t-shirt. And he's like, Oh my God, I fucking love your show. He's like, my boyfriend and I love your show and uh, we love it. Cause, cause you're just like us. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm just like <laughs> Not gay, not negative about gay, but like, oh my God, I am a slob. And that is like, yeah, there's the every type of gay person. There right. are. And then you, 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 one of my, one of my favorite things when you guys make up is like, I'm so fucking gay for you, man. I'm so gay for you. <laughs> so you know, it's funny when we shot the pilot and the original opening credits of the show, which got changed once we started shooting, Sarah is... It's like a slideshow. The the opening credits were always like, a, this is my sister and this is Jay and this is Stephen Bryan. And it was originally, this is Stephen Bryan. They're roommates or, or lovers. I'm not really sure. So it was ambiguous. You didn't know if we were gay or not. And then I'm glad they, you know, actually made the choice it. to be like, yeah, they should definitely be gay. But it wasn't until like the second, maybe even the third, no, it was the second episode we were shooting and we were on set shooting and Brian's like looking at the script and he just goes, are we gay? <laughs> like two episodes in, I was like, yeah, dude, we're gay. <laughs> because That's- the pilot, we, you know, it was ambiguous. Well, I got to just say, I play that show when I want to get like, if I just want to, it's like a, just a great mood adjustment and, and just get ready for the segue. Cause you're not even going to believe it's coming. 
But the other thing I'll sometimes do to get myself in a good mood is just crank some tunes with my Raycon (laughs) wireless earbuds. Smart man. Whoa, I have those too. Yeah, do you? I love them. Oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, if you want quality earpods, go Raycon every time. No, I mean, they're just amazing. I can listen to like music or podcasts or sometimes just like a meditation app. And yeah. I just feel they just, they make everything better. And right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort. And unlike some other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. You look like a douchebag. Yeah. Um, they Did you hear points. about their 32 hour? I, you know what? I, I, battery I, power? I thought it said 22 hour. It's 32 hours. It's 32 shit. hours oh of God. battery power cranking in your ear holes from Can Raycon. I, oh my God. And, but, but I just, I was worried like I'm going to buy them. And what if like I don't like them? What if I'm getting to like 42, 43 days? I bet they wouldn't take them back, would they? You what? would think that, Steve, but guess what? 45 what? days? You could, 45 days? 45 days you could send those bad boys back. That's a month and a half. That, yeah. was, the, that was the second jersey number Michael Jordan had. So <laughs> in conclusion, right. create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Doing it, listeners, get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash doing it. That's buyraycon.com slash doing it to save 15% on Raycons. You want to say that one more time? Spell Raycon for me. R-A-Y-C-O-N. Okay, just the way it sounds. Buyraycon.com slash doing it. And you will be doing it. Your whole life will change. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was seamless, I thought. Um, I felt really I, good. I didn't even know we were going into that. That was amazing. No, I thought you would like it. <laughs> I, before, before we get to recommendations of what you've been watching or what's making you laugh and, and yeah. things like that, did you always know you were going to do this? Like, where were yes. you? And where were you, you grow up? Crazy? I did not. I grew up in Riverside. I, I grew up an hour away from here, east, like kind of near San Bernardino. And I always tell people there were no stakes in me moving to LA because if shit didn't work out, I could literally be at my parents' house in an hour for a hot meal. Like when I hear people go, I came here from Michigan. I had $200. I knew nobody. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Why didn't you go to Chicago? It was so much closer. Yeah. But um, I... I knew when I was like 10 that I wanted to be an actor. I didn't know how to do it or if it was even possible, but John Ritter was my idol when I was a child, like idolized him. I just wanted to be John Ritter. It's so great. I wanted to be an actor, a comedic actor and a stand-up comedian. The first album I ever bought with my own money, I was 11. I was 11 and I rode my bike to the mall and I bought- Steve Martin? <laughs> no. Nope. George Carlin, a place oh, yeah. for my stuff. I was 11. <laughs> 11. I didn't understand half the shit he was saying. Oh, but if I it knew- makes you feel any better, my dad would like wake me up in the middle of the night when I was like six and go, hey, you want to watch Cheech and Chong? Oh, I'm like, great. I'm six. I'm like, I, I don't even yes. know what this is, but he also showed me George Carlin. So I will say this because we're on a very similar childhood here, uh, Steve. Yeah. But do you remember the Columbia Record House? Of course. Okay. 
so you get five albums. You get five. I think albums. I still owe them money. I do know. I, yeah. They're still coming after me. But the, yeah. the, there's like five albums for a nickel, and four of them for me were like comedy albums. It's like it, yes. was, it was exactly the same thing. It was hundred percent. And I found all of this because of Doctor Demento. Uh, Every Sunday night, I would lay in bed same. as a kid. I had a transistor radio with a mono earpiece, and I would listen to Doctor Demento until I, you know. And by the way, I would listen to it until it was over. And then Dr. Ruth would come on. She was also syndicated. And that's how I learned about sex was through <laughs> Dr. Ruth. And that's how I found out about like Weird Al and Spike Jones yeah. and, and yeah. George Carlin and like, like fucking everybody. It was, yeah. it was amazing. It was my church. We had Weird Al on the podcast a few years ago. And he mentioned mm -hmm. like Dr. Demento being his Oh, yeah. One of his, you know, inspiration. His launching pad, yeah. I mean, truly remarkable. Like, what, like, what an interesting story you've had, and what of everything you've done. Like, what is your favorite thing? Like, do you have your a favorite role that you've ever had? Like, what's something I mean, that stands out? I, Sarah, I'm I'm kind of biased towards Sarah's show because it was really my first. I'd done a couple commercials, but it was my first, like. Here's your first TV gig. You're on, yeah. you're a regular on a TV show. Like <laughs> with the most amazing people. Amazing. Beautiful friends. Yeah. You know, yeah. people I already knew. And one more question before we get into our shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to ask. So when you were doing Sarah's show mm -hmm. and you and Brian, okay, so you and Brian are in a domestic partnership. Relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're gay. <laughs> no, did you seal the deal? Is what I want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were married by the end of the show by yeah. uh, Bradley um, but, Whitford. Okay, so but my thing I, I always remembered like hearing about was that you got on Twitter very early on, yes. and you had like over a million followers. I was, one and of then the first you got off of Twitter followers. and lost everything. <laughs> yes, I. I'd been on Twitter for like a year and I kind of topped out at like 5,000 followers, which is makes sense. Nobody fucking knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember after a year, Sarah signed up and within like two days had like 50,000 followers or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck? We're on the same TV show. <laughs> Why do you have 50,000? And so I tweeted that if I can get, no, what was it? 5,000 followers? If, if I can get like 5,000, something like, I I think I called it the AG 5,000. I was like, yeah, if I can get 5,000 more Twitter or Twitter followers, this was on like a Monday. By Friday, Saturday, I'll do a live stream where I read every one of my followers' names. <laughs> and Smart. nobody saw me tweet that. It, it was very, I was gaining maybe like two followers a day. And then my friend called me. He's like, dude, I did some math. And he's like, I figured if you actually have to do this and read like 5,000 names, it'll take you like eight hours. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, and I didn't delete the tweet and I just kind of ignored it. And then Rain Wilson saw it and retweeted it. And it, my number started skyrocketing. Then James Gunn saw it and retweeted it. Sarah retweeted it. And then at some point, someone at Twitter 
just added me to the list of people you are automatically following when you join. That's a, that was a thing. Like, yeah, when you sign up, if you don't know anybody, you are you have to uncheck these people if you don't want to be following them because you are automatically. And it was like Oprah, Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> Deepak Chopra, and then me. <laughs> That makes sense. I think if, if you, I, I'm sure you run into all of them at the same auditions. Um, oh yeah. my god! And so I, by Thursday night, had to lock my account, lock my account because I had so many followers. I was like, "This is fucking out of control." And so I did the live stream on Saturday, and it took me like eight hours, and I read everybody's name. And luckily, you know, people like Rain would call in and read names for me. And then James came over and Sarah read names and, 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 but I stayed on that list. And so over the next year or two, I just was getting like 10,000 followers a day, just as more people were joining Twitter and it was just a perfect storm. And I got over a million, I like a million four hundred thousand followers or something like that but i got really sick of every fucking day having to sign on to twitter and see who the fuck are you and why am i following how come i'm following you i never followed you who the fuck are you you and i was just like i can't take this my ego cannot take this shit i you know i get my feelings hurt and so i just deleted my twitter account a million followers (laughs) James Gunn the next day was like, are you out of your fucking mind? You could have sold your account. He's like, a corporation would have bought a million followers from you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah, or just not log on and just let this happen while you're not watching. Yeah. Or just don't read the comments. I I really overreacted. And um, two weeks later, I was back on, I went to a movie and I was like, this is really good. And my first instinct was to tweet about it. And it was just, I think it was Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, yeah. And, and uh, I, 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 yes, it was. And I was at the premiere and I told Edgar, I was like, man, if I was on Twitter, I'd, I'd tweet about this. It was really good. And he's like, so fucking sign back up again. And I was like, oh yeah. And so here I am like did 10 you, years later. Did you ever get, did you get any percentage of them back? Yeah, I think now I'm at like 130,000 followers, okay, which is a good amount for me. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, that's that's fine. It's a good amount, but also that is like, did that eat it? Yeah, <laughs> like to have for a had, while it did. For yeah. a while, yeah. I mean that that's such an insane story, but yeah, stupid. Well, Steve, <laughs> that's first of all, that's amazing, and it's like, fuck, you're a delight. You're always yeah. you're one of those people I always thanks, man. I always love seeing you on on stuff, and you're you're just good in everything. So. Um, Speaking about that though, Raycon. No. Um, <laughs> what What have you been watching? What stuff you're recommending that you like? I've the past couple of days been watching Hundred Foot Wave oh. on HBO Max. Yeah, this. The I saw that. Surf- how many episodes are in? It's seven episodes are hour longs, and it's a docu series about this guy who's like my age. He's like, or he's like two years older, so he's like fifty four or fifty five, uh-huh. and he's trying to set the world record by riding a a wave that's a hundred feet tall. He's a surfer and he currently holds the world record. He rode a wave that was 78 feet tall and there's video. I mean, it's in the TV show. It's in the first or second episode. You, you see him 
they tow him out on a jet ski, like he's behind a water, you know, yeah. like he's water skiing. And then he lets go of the rope and it is terrifying. It's like a building of water behind him. Yeah. And they just and, drop down. You just wait. It's like, you just hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. And so it's him and these guys that are, you know, out there like constantly trying to break these records and it's fascinating. Oh, I really want to check that out. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like basically like sliding down a building, except the building can fall on you. And oftentimes does. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like it appears that they're like in a washing machine. You don't even see like which oh, yeah. way is up. Like you wipe out surfing. Yeah. And I can't even imagine that. I've surfed, but never like that. I can't imagine like what that wipeout. Yeah, I used to surf too when I was in like college and I can't like a six foot wave used to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, it almost it almost killed Greg Brady in Hawaii. So, yeah, they, uh, well, that's because the taboo idol he was wearing around his neck. He was he wearing never the... disturbed it. Um... Him and Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Vincent Price was in that episode. Yeah. They, oh, he, hell yeah! You know, he was in. I that fully forgot cave. about that, but he was totally in that. Yep. Um, and I love the music that they would play when they because they had the little tiki necklace thing. We yep. did the Modern like, Family in um in uh, Australia in in, in um uh, in Hawaii. Sorry, we've been to so many places. Um, <laughs> when we were in Hawaii, actually shooting at the White Lotus Hotel. No, yeah, it really was Four Seasons oh, nice. Maui. But um, we wanted we had the kids in the bedroom, and there was a TV that was there. I said can we just be playing the Brady Bunch Hawaii episode in there? <laughs> and we never, it never cleared. So we never got it. Ah, that would have been excellent. <laughs> it would have been good. Jenny, what about you? I finally just dove into the new season of Ted Lasso. Wow. Have you seen it yet, Danny? I know that you've been. I haven't seen a minute of Ted Lasso yet. Oh, I know. First Every season is, I haven't seen the second season yet. It's, it's, it's either next or white Lotus, but it was like, it's incredible. It, I love it so much be, because he, he, the character is like Andy Griffith. Like yeah. he's not a shitty person at all. And there's very little conflict and it still works as a really awesome uplifting show. It, it really, it's, that's what I was gonna say. It's one of the most like heartwarming things you can see, but it's funny. It's not, yeah. I think sometimes people will go like, oh, it's so sweet. And you're like, yeah, next. Because I don't want to fucking watch anything sweet. People, we, equate, we, equate <laughs> we, we equate that with cloying. Right. You know? I'm like, yes. No, I want to see people be awful and everything. But you get that. It's it's just that it's always kind of reeled back in. Like, it, I don't even know. It, it's the new, polar opposite of succession. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is the polar opposite of succession. It, it is. It's a really great. I don't know. I, I really like it. And it's, it is something that you watch and you're like, okay, you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you don't like it. I remember like I binge watched succession when yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, am I, I'm a piece of shit. I think, I don't know. I'm like, am I like these people? Like, I don't like <laughs> you keep binging something back to back to back. This was something that's just like, Oh man, this is so yeah, it's funny. It's like, feel good. But and not there's not funny. even like, you know, like, when you watch um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's yeah. there's moments where you're just like, oh, fuck. you can see what's coming and you're like, this is going to be so fucking uncomfortable. I'm like nervous. Like there's not even shit like that. It's like, yeah. no, no, like fucking Curb, smiling the whole show. I was watching Curb one time and I got so uncomfortable. I literally like walked out of the room as if I was part of that at yeah. the restaurant with them, like in the show, yeah. because it was so I'm like, oh, God, here he goes. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be. Take this part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What well, about you, Danny? What have you been watching? I this is so this is going to be so random, but like I have this week started watching from the very beginning, and I'm like into the last season of it, just rewatching Children's Hospital. Oh, I that's fucking Rob Corddry. Oh my god, I love that show. It's the most because I you know I, I you know I remember watching it as it would come out and watching it again, and it is just it's next. There there are some episodes in there what they did in ten minutes that are just so. It, it, I mean, obviously it's off the wall in this, but they're so beautifully crafted and weird and, and, and everybody's so good on it. It's like, I don't know. I just, uh, that, that's been my yeah. delightful thing. I've, you know, so. Each of the characters on children's hospital, it, it's so like quirky, but perfectly mm -hmm. like yeah. perfectly quirky and weird. I love it. That's a great yeah. one. And that's been the yeah. thing I've been watching this week. I'll have a better recommendation next week, but. Uh, and then you've also been watching porn. Don't. That out. I watch a lot of <laughs> What's your favorite? I watch a lot of <laughs> Well, they're going to take it away from us on OnlyFans, so. I mean, that's the, what a smart move there. That's like taking sports off of ESPN. Yeah, I mean, like, like, what the is, fuck? That's what it is. I like, literally was like, wait, I thought it was just porn. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, OnlyFans without porn is just Instagram that you pay for. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like we can, anybody, all people, we can just follow you on Instagram. It's like, Tumblr. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no one's going. You know what? I learned sign language on OnlyFans. There's this one chick. She just <laughs> really nailed it. I found it. out what I was doing wrong with my uh, sourdough bread. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been a delight to have you, Steve. Oh, um, thanks for and, having me. Anytime, I would love. Anything to you want to plug? Anything coming up that we should be watching? Well, I did this indie indie film called The Suicide Squad, which we're trying to get people out to watch. So, oh yeah, I love that they're giving that a little chance. Yeah, yeah. it's I I think I'm going to get nominated for an Independent Spirit Award this year. <laughs> I uh, think you should host the Independent Spirit Awards God, for that one, please. Uh, so Chuck that's out, and then uh, we did a spinoff of that um, movie with myself and John Cena and some other people uh, for HBO Max. And we did, we just finished shooting eight episodes in Vancouver and those will be out in January. I'm excited to know about it. This is a break. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, really funny. Yeah, it's going to be good. I love John Cena so much. I, I love John Cena too. We've I discussed. do too. I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I've become an even bigger fan, but it's called Peacemaker and it'll be out in the first three episodes. They'll drop it once on HBO Max and then it'll be weekly for, in I January. Perfect. Anything wait. for you to promote, Jenny? Uh, let's see. Oh, next weekend, uh, I'll be with Fortune Feimster featuring for her in Sacramento. So Ooh. get Hilarious. your ticks. Yeah, yeah. That'll, I think everything's sold out except next Sunday night. So okay. come nice. see us. Don't be shy. Wear a mask. Get a vaccine. Please. All that fun stuff. Okay. Well, thank you, Doing It Nation. Um, it will be hard time. to top this week. So give us a break. <laughs> we got a high. It's like Mark Marin after Obama. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> at Carrot Top. It's not, you know, it's gonna happen. There's gonna so we're gonna have our Carrot Top next week. Who's great, by the way? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, Steve Agee. Uh, but uh, um, and join us. Thanks for yeah. Thank Thanks. you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.